did. We'll, we'll get to that shortly. All righty, guys. We are live. Another Tuesday night live here at uh, Golf Days Australia. Brought to you by Dint Putters. Uh, and Cobra Puma. So a big shout out to those guys. Uh, pretty excited tonight, Steve. We get to give away our Dint Putter, uh, the promotion we've been running, mate. Yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks again, Dint Putters, for putting the promo up and, and giving us a putter to give away. So, yeah, I was excited to announce the, the sponsorship a couple of weeks ago and, and throw out the uh, competition for a putter. So we had a, a fair few entries in the comp. So, yeah, looking forward to announcing the winner tonight. We'll do a bit yeah. of a, a chocolate wheel. Uh, yeah, no. Nah. So yeah, should be fun. Yeah, excited, excited to give that away. Big prize to give away. And um, if you would have seen, I put up a little post uh, a couple of hours ago saying that if the winner on there tonight is watching tonight and uh, comments pretty much as soon as we draw it, uh, we're going to throw in a Puma hat as well. So we've got a Puma hat. Thanks to Cobra Puma. Rocking another one this week, uh, blue one this week. This shirt is uh, just feels so good. So if you're going to check out some clothes, looking for some clothes, mate, go and check out some Puma gear. It is uh, top notch. So thanks to those guys. Um, look, let's get into it. We've, we've had some belting interviews um, over the past few few months that we've been doing this now. Um, a reminder, if you've missed any of those uh, previous uh, interviews, you can easily jump into uh, our podcast and, and check it out. Um, just go and search Golf Days Australia on you know your, your podcast app that you use, whether it's Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google, Apple, whatever it is, we're on there. Um, and go back and have a listen. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch it. We do our interviews Tuesday night, and we use that for the second podcast in the week on Thursday. So um, let's get on to, to tonight's show. Tonight, we uh, we got the Greek Adonis himself. Spoiler, it's not our very own Terry Pilgadaris. Uh, Dimmy's won a, a New Zealand Open, uh, Vic Open, WA PGA Championship, Open to Portugal. Uh, he was runner-up at 2018 Oz Open. Uh, which which got him qualified for the uh, Open Championship off the back of that. He lifts more and hits it further than Lincoln Tyre. We all know that. Uh, Dimmy, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Doing good, well, mate. mate. Doing well. Doing well. How are you going? You've, uh, you've been doing a bit of fishing, we see. Yeah, plenty of fishing. Um, there's obviously been a lot of downtime for me the last few months. So um, in between a little bit of practice, I've been doing a lot of fishing. Yeah, yeah so, Steve might have some inside info here. So obviously, you know, Nate, Nate's thrown in the introduction there. You, you're lift, lifting more than Lincoln Ty, um, so pretty strong. I had a, a question come through from an S Bins. Um, he, he wants to know why why do you need a harness and an hour to wind in a thirty kilo tuna? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. Um, uh, a yeah, bit of a stitch I'm... up there, mate. Bit of a stitch up there. I, I grew up with Binzy and uh, played golf as a junior with him, mate. So I, I hit him up the other day and said, "We got you on," and uh, noticed you'd been doing a bit of fishing, but you, you caught a decent one on the weekend. Tell us about it. Yeah, not too bad. I'm not big enough by Binzy's account, but you know, <laughs> we got a couple of yeah, thirty kilo tuna, mate. Um, our mate Maddie as well got into his first tuna as well, so we had a pretty good day. We won't mention the one that Binzy dropped at the boat um without his harness on so yeah, yeah we at least we got ours in there so got to feed the family that's Very awesome good. i know you've uh you've made our uh our other guest that we we have on our podcast amy walsh she's uh she was pretty upset that your your fish was much bigger than her one she's a pretty proud fisherman herself and she she enjoys a uh you know going for a fish so she was she was crushed when she saw the size <laughs> of your one and she's like I'm no, I'm not no longer going to be the uh, the one with the biggest fish on here. So uh, you've got it covered there, mate. So sorry, Amy, <laughs> but uh, you've been you've been knocked off the top of that one. So, mate, let's get into it. Um, let's let's jump straight where where you started, junior career. Where where did you grow up, and and how did you get into golf? Um, I've grown up on the Central Coast, still here now. I've started playing golf at Tukley Golf Club, and when I was about fifteen, Magenta Shores got built, and that was pretty fortunate for me because. It's a really good resort course to play and practice at. So um, I've had two really good, you know, tough tests of golf to sort of learn the game and, um, yeah, just sort of grow up playing there. And So who got you Who got you into golf in the first? And, you know, how did you get how did you get a club in your hand? Um, my dad and I both started playing at the same time. I was just cleaning out the garage one day when I was about nine years old, as you do. Um, we had yep. a bit of a garage. The dryer caught on fire, so... <laughs> had a bit of a worry there and nearly lost the garage and had to clean everything out and just found a set of golf clubs and I was pretty into most sports, played soccer and surf life savings, swimming, bit of footy at school and 
um, yeah, just thought, oh, I'll give this a go. And dad and I both got pretty into it. And before I know it, I was playing every day and couldn't stop. So you got the bug, you got the bug pretty early on then and that kind of just took over? Yeah, big time. I think as soon as I started playing, I just couldn't get the club out of my hands. I was practicing all day, every day, just every opportunity. And at the time, I was pretty into my soccer, but even though I was really young, you know, by the time I was about th- 13, my dad was, you know, take mum and dad were taking me around to soccer, soccer games and all around the state playing the Jack Newton Junior stuff. And dad said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to play soccer or play golf? Because you're going to have to make a choice here. And I went with the golf and, yeah, just kept going ever since then. Yeah, that's so. Awesome. I suppose going through juniors, was it always a, a foregone conclusion that you you were going to turn pro or was there a point in time where you had to you know, really decide whether you are going to go all in? Um, I was pretty – I never really, um, like, made that exact decision until a little bit later, maybe when I was about, you know, 18, 17, 18. I was thinking more about it. But when I was younger, I was just – I didn't actually think of the actual point of turning pro. I was just watching – just obsessed watching the PGA Tour and watching Tiger Woods and Sergio Garcia and um, just hoping to, you know, play at the highest level and just just love watching that and just love playing and competing. And I, I had a pretty good uh, junior career. I won a few things as a junior and then progressed into amateurs and started playing pretty well. And then it got to the point where I was working behind the bar from 18 to 21 and, you know, it was costing, you know, making 600 bucks a week and then flying to Adelaide to play like a South Australian classic or a state yeah. in Perth. And I wasn't really um, covering my costs after a while. So at the time, Andre Stoltz was um, coaching me and mentoring me and he was a massive, you know, helped me a lot in my career. And especially... Yeah, I was just about to say, Stoltz, he would have had a good, a good Im- uh, impression on you and... Um, yeah, helped you along with that, those, uh, those thoughts and those decisions. Yeah, that transition for me, I was lucky, um, that I had him at that point in my career. It was really, um, perfect timing to have someone that's been on tour and that much experience behind me. So I made that transition to turn pro. He sort of said to me one day, he said, you know, enough of playing for tea towels. Let's get into it. You go on a Q school. I'm going to enter you in a couple of months. And I said, yeah, no worries. So I went to Aussie Q school and finished top 10 which got me my full card and before i know it knew it i was away yeah awesome. Yeah, nice. so you you turned pro 2012 um pretty pretty early on in your pro career i guess you have your first win over at nz uh nz open 2014 um you win by four strokes um shot 18 under uh, i saw an article where you, you said that was your favorite moment of your career that obviously still holds true yeah, definitely. I think the first first professional wins are, you know, big achievement and to do do it in such a big event, I didn't realise at the time, but, you know, to win a New Zealand Open by four strokes at such a young age, um, not much experience, it was a, a very big achievement and even reading the articles and um, it was sort of leading going into the last round that there wasn't, there was pressure to win, but no one really expected me to win the tournament. So, you know, I was sort of really enjoying it and, you know, had it, you know, a bit of self-belief and obviously that, that made a big difference on the day and to get that first win comes, a, you know, a lot of other things with a lot more opportunities and expectation after that. Yeah, for sure. And you've spoken before about NZ Open itself and you enjoy that event. You say it's a fun time over there? Yeah, it's a great time. Queenstown's amazing. The golf courses that we play are just perfect. The weather's, you know, sometimes it's gets a bit windy and, you know, stormy every now and then, but the good days are unbelievable. It's like you're indoors, there's no wind. And as you can see, some years the cut's really low because of that, you know, the conditions are so perfect. But just being there in the town's amazing. Um, all the restaurants, the nightlife's pretty good and, you know, it's just a good time. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the nightlife there. Adam Burdett uh, messaged me today. He said, um, ask Dimmy about some of his New Zealand antics. He's got a few PG ones he might be able to share. <laughs> so you enjoy it over there? Yeah, I do enjoy it. But Adam Bird, one night with Adam Burdett was a good one when he... Oh, this was, yep, um, go. We were catching a cab home at about 4am and he just sort of... There's a river that goes through the middle of the 
town and he decided it would have been, you know, minus two degrees, <laughs> freezing cold and he stripped down and jumped in the river that was not even a foot deep, I think, and he was just laying flat, splashing around. It was pretty funny. So he's definitely, definitely. I told you, Steve, he's a loose, loose unit. We're going to get him on in a couple of weeks' time and uh, and get him on. So <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he'll, he'll get his chance. Um, so yeah, Adam, Adam, but we'll, we'll have him on soon. Um, we've got a, a question that I might jump to that's, um, from, from the audience, uh, people that are watching Brad West, what's your favorite hole at Charlestown golf club, my home club. And what do you like most about Sam Putt lab, which I know you've used previously? Yeah. Well, Charlestown's a great course. I don't, um, enjoy going there and losing cash to Jake Ingerbottom every time I play. Yeah, he is. Yep. Under there. So. Yeah, um, so much fun, but um, my favorite hole there, they're all pretty good actually. I couldn't pick a favorite, they're that, pretty, it's pretty hilly that course coming up that, that uh, last hole, and it's a, it's a bit of a walk up yeah. to that clubhouse. Yeah, I just know not my fate, my definitely not my favorite, but the 11th, the brutal par four, that's a very tough hole. I always find that stretch 11 12. Even 13 is pretty tricky to get through sometimes. So, that's yeah. A good and what's sort of, what's he talking test. about with the Sam Putt Lab? Um, there's a Putt Lab that Ryan Smith um, let me use. Is so the Putt Lab is obviously for your putting, and you put all the gadgets on there, and it tells you what your strokes like, and records like your tempo, your face at impact, your face at your setup, how much face rotation you got, your timing, um, and it's amazing. I think it's really good for it helped my putting a lot because you don't realize a lot of things. It's hard to see, but when you get on the same putt lab, it actually points out a lot of things, you know, even exactly where you can't strike the putt on the putter face. Um, so for me, that helped me a lot, you know, even though my stroke looks really good and it wouldn't even look to the naked eye that it's a little bit cutty. It looks like it's, you know, pretty straight back and through. Um, yeah. It, it picked up that and, you know, obviously gives us something to work on and a bit more of a reason to see why we're sometimes not making putts. Yeah, fair enough. And just for the audience at the moment, Nate's having a bit of technical difficulty, just like he did last week with his cam. So um, happy to carry on. He's he's uh, out there in the background. We'll get him back on shortly once his camera's uh, sorted out. But, um, but yeah, so you've gone, um, yeah, not even, what, 18 months after you've turned pro, you've gone the, the NZ Open. You've then gone into uh, what have you had? You had a tough year in 2016 in Europe, but obviously learnt from it. As 2017 was a really good bounce back for you. Um, you said your game wasn't ready for Europe, and it was a wake up call. Um, obviously, did the job for you uh, in 2017 ahead. So you had the, the Vic Open, um, where you won. By, you know, by two strokes at 16 under over Adam Bland and Jake McLeod. Uh, tell us about the, the Vic Open and how, how that went for you to, to kick off 2017. Yeah, well, after 2016, I really struggled big time. Um, even the back end of 2015, I had, I've had sort of, you know, some pretty bad stages in my career where I really struggled with my game. And that was, that was a time, you know, especially in 2016 and, um, I sort of finished up the year and I thought, you know, I really want to turn this around. So over Christmas and New Year's, I did a lot of practice and really worked hard on my game. And Vic Open was in February, so all of January, I was pretty stuck into it. And, um, yeah, I just came out of the blocks pretty quick and got rewarded with a win straight away, which is really, you know, pleasing. And it's one of those things when you haven't played well for so long and you get that opportunity. And I was around the leader. I remember playing with Lucas Herbert in the last round and he's a great player. And obviously McLeod and Adam Bland and all that, it was, there was a lot of good players around in the mix. And I think, you know, at that point I definitely wanted it and felt like I needed it the most, the way I've been going. <laughs> so um, I think that's probably, probably made a bit of a difference down the stretch. Demi, apparently, you cold top your drive off the first hole in the first round, uh, the last round. Is that true? No, no, third round. And it was, yeah, three wood in the third round. Cold topped it. I had Kelly Lyle caddy in for me. Um, he, that was the first year he caddy for me. Usually caddies for Aaron Townsend and Stoltz years before that. And, um, yeah, I remember getting there on the third round. And I wasn't 
particularly nervous or anything. I was just I would have been fourth or fifth last group, like in contention, yeah. but yeah, you know, not not too far into it. And um, <laughs> yeah, I just had like you know been into off the left wing, and I thought I'd just lean on a bit of a three wood here and try and hit a flat stinger down there. And, just lent on it a bit too much and I topped it <laughs> along the ground. It probably went 80 metres. I don't know. I don't think it made the fairway. And poor Kelly, his face just went red and he's just shattered. And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, it's, and you know, there was a fair few people watching and no one said anything. And I was just no. I said, right, Kelly, we'll be fine. You know, these things happen. So I'm trying to, you know, pull him through. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. And I, I laid up, I hit nine iron, oh, sorry, seven iron down the fairway then I had a nine iron in hit it to 10 feet and knocked it in for par and easy par yeah so <laughs> no fair who were you playing there. who were you playing with that day like what what's what's the reaction there with your playing partner um I can't actually remember that day who I played with to be honest I yeah. only remember the day at Vic Open a couple of years earlier before that where I, I was staying on course and I slept in and my billet had to wake me up <laughs> I was teeing off at eight o'clock and at seven forty-five my billet's banging up the door. Jimmy, what are you, no. are you there? I was like, Yeah, what's going on? He said, You're on the team fifteen minutes. I thought you were <laughs> and I ran and I was playing with Peter O'Malley and Nick Cullen. And um I remember running to the tee. I had to put my shoes on on the tee and give away my honour. And um I just snap hooked it straight in the left <laughs> rubbish and made double bogey. But then I I shot four under for the day after no warm up and nearly missing my tee time. So I remember that day, but I don't remember who I was playing with when I topped it at that time. So that it's good. To, it's good. To, it's good to know that we're not the only ones that are rushing for our tee time on a Saturday. Then that uh, even the pros can uh, can do the same thing. It sounds like yeah. me every week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then you go across uh, over to WA in the, uh, over to Kalgoorlie and you take out the WA PGA um, championship. So we, we, there was a, a fairly stacked leaderboard after round one um, with the leader hitting eight under 64, which is Peter Wilson. Um, he leads by one into the weekend at nine under. You shoot up the leaderboard and end up um you know tied fifth i think coming into the weekend come saturday again you go up the leaderboard and you end tied third at eight under uh one shot off the lead behind rory burke and, and lee mckenzie tell us about sunday how, how did that go down for you on the final day um i just it was very tricky conditions it was super windy massive dust storm coming through and obviously coming off a win you know a month and you know six weeks earlier I felt very confident in the way I sort of progressed into the tournament, you know, even being second last group, a lot of people talk about, you know, not leading in the final round, there's a lot less pressure, but I still had that expectation for myself to go on and win the tournament. Um, so that's, you know, one thing that comes with, you know, winning events is when, you, when you're up there again, you've got that expectation to do it. So that was um, very pleasing for me to, to go ahead and win that but knowing um how well Lee McKechnie and Rory were playing and the position you know being behind those two good players as well and they were after their um our new lead already went one but that was going to be Rory's first um to a victory and you know that was always going to be tough to um fend him off so I got off to a pretty quick start from memory and I think I was out to a, about a three or four shot lead through about 14 or 15 holes and um, had a bit of it. I made a double on like 15, got a bit of a bad break and hit an average drive and made mm. a double. And then Rory made a few birdies coming in, so he was right on my heels really quick straight away. And thankfully, I birdied the last, and he hit two great shots in. Um, I think I, I won by a shot. I was t I birdied the last to get two in front, and he hit driver driver, amazing yeah. in the strongest left to right wind to about 15 feet oh. and he just, just slid by for the playoff. So, oh. yeah, he, he did it. It was a massive effort from him and um, yeah, I was just lucky just to hang in there. And I think possibly, you know, if the if I was in the last group, things might have gone differently, might have been a bit closer. But, um, yeah, it was pretty much as close as you can get, I'd say. 
Yeah, and and then you top the year off, I suppose, by being named the PGA Tour of Australasia Player of the Year for 2017. Um, so yeah, after winning the Victorian Open and then WA PGA Championships, um, you must have felt felt you know pretty sweet to round off a, a great year. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I you know obviously turned my year turned turned it around pretty quick for 2017, but then. By the end of that year, I was starting to struggle again with my game, funnily enough. Mm, okay. um, so that was sort of, you know, I was starting to starting to battle again. But I, obviously with that great start and having two wins, you know, and I'm not a massive season is, you know, going to be hard to beat for player of the year. I think Lisa did that the year after as well. So um, mm. that was thankful to hold on to that. And then, but yeah, I was a big honour to do that as well. Yeah. And then you head over overseas again, and you, in 2018, you, you're taking out the Open to Portugal, um, coming in seven under, winning by two strokes. Um, you were meant to defend your WAPGA title that week, but uh, got a call to find out that you had a start in Portugal. So a huge, a, a decision. huge decision, yeah, to, mm. to make at that time to, um, yeah, to head overseas and end up taking it out. Yeah, well, I was... Actually, I was in WA um, playing the Cottesloe Open that weekend. It was a pro-am, two-day pro-am. So before I left to fly to Perth, I was like 17th reserve to play to get into Portugal. Wow. And I, I'll chuck my passport in just in case because I'm already <laughs> on my way to Europe, at least if I, get, if I happen to get in. Go so I fly to Cottesloe. I play the first round on a Saturday and they... I've slid like I'm 10th reserve after Saturday night. Um, and then I play Sunday and I finish my round Sunday and I'm sitting in the clubhouse and it says, Dimmy, you're now seventh reserve. You'll get in. Um, will you travel? And I thought, oh, all right, now I've got to make a call. So it's Sunday yeah. night, straight to Lisbon, book a car. So I thought, oh, it's my only event. Um, that I'm going to get really with limited challenge tour status. So I better make the most of it. So I, I messaged um, Kim Felton and said, I'm going to have to pull out. Sorry. And he was pretty spewing at me. He said, just make yeah, sure. Yeah, it's obviously it's not a good feeling to pull out when you're the defending champ. Mm. Yeah, and they made all these posters and I was obviously mm. playing with the sponsors and all that of the event. So I had a bit going on that week and I just pulled the pin last minute. So they were pretty... He was pretty you made it worth it. it. But he said, yeah, just make sure you win it at least because, you know, you give me a massive headache here. So, <laughs> uh, thankfully, I, you know, jumped on a plane, flew to Lis Lisbon, drove down, I think it was about two and a half, three hours to Portimao, um, jet lagged all over the place, had a practice round and then got stuck into it. Yeah, now, so that you win, you win that over there and you end up finishing 21st on the tour order of merit. Um, gives you conditional status for 2019. But we need to talk about what happened at the UAE event. So you're sitting 19th in the money list at that stage. You need to get, I think, to 15th to, to get your European status. Um, you start yeah. well, four birdies, first six holes. You end up getting disqualified from the tournament for using a damaged club in the opening round. So obviously a massive gut-wrenching moment in your career. Um Tell us how that went down and, and, and what you learned from that. Um, yeah, so I got off to a flyer. I needed mm. probably – it's a limited field event. There's 30 guys. And if you – I finished, I think, top six. I would have got my European tour card. So I was four under. I think I made the turn, say, three under. And um, the 10th hole was just a par four dog leg right around the water. And I hit my drive a bit right, didn't make the cover. And it fell into the water. So I had to hit another drive um, down the fairway. And sorry, I've met, mixed, I missed the missed the ninth. So that's eleven. The ninth hole, I make triple bogey. So I was three under. I make triple bogey on the ninth. I'm back to even par. A par ten. The eleventh that dog leg. So I hit it in the water. Hit then reload from the tee. Hit it down the fairway. So I'm already looking at middle of the fairway, I've got eight iron in, I'm going to make double bogey at best. So I'm pretty fuming that I've, I'm about to drop five shots yeah. in three mm. holes. And then I, I attack this back right pin, hit it, in, hit it right in the water again, throw the eight iron as you do, give it the tomahawk down the fairway. 
um, down down. <laughs> Terry Pilkadaris and his putter, mate. Yeah. So I threw it straight in front of me. So at least I walked up, picked it up, slammed me in the Yeah, bag. you don't have to walk back to get it. <laughs> Just roll <Yeah>. it forward. <laughs> I ended up making um, quadruple bogey there. So then I was going from three under to four over in about five minutes. Mm. And two holes later, I hit in a fairway trap, pull eight iron. There was a reachable par five. My caddy said, um, I said, what's the layup to the 100? He said 150. So I pulled eight iron out, walked in, just took a swipe at it, put the club back in the bag, kept walking down the fairway. And it wasn't until the 17th hole where I had eight iron in again, I put my club down to set up on the fairway and I noticed it wasn't sitting right. And because the first time I used it in the fairway bunker, I obviously didn't ground my club and I was in a bit of a hurry. I didn't realize the club was bent when I hit it. Mm. Mm. So then I'm on the 17th hole and I said, and I'm looking at my club and I'm saying to my, I said to my caddy, my club's bent. And he's like, Oh, what do you mean? I said, when I threw it from the other hole, he said, all right, we'll just use a seven. I said, yeah, but I've, Already used it, already played it. And um, he said, oh, well, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm 100%. That's the club I use. That's the club I bend. He's like, all right. I said, I'll call a rules official after the round because this is going to slow it up a little bit. So I just um, played out the hole, called the rules official, told him I used a damaged club. And the bend was barely anything. Like it was so little, it wouldn't have made a difference at all um so they called john paramore the head of the rules for the european tour he calls the pga tour they have this massive meeting it took about an hour and a bit and they i got disqualified because i used a damaged club um it wasn't two stroke penalty just straight dq and the reason why it took such a long time and they were in disbelief was because they changed the rule a month later to you can use a damaged club and it's like a oh. better rule for hundreds of years and it would have been sweet in a month's time but oh. then and there it was just a dq so that was a nice two-hour trip you know 150 dollar cab ride back to to buy airport and then jump on the flight on the flight so, oh. all the way home yeah there's yeah, a few well, mental battles going on on that trip home Oh, no, there was no meant. There was just blackout, just sit on the plane. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that, you know, it, it brings up a good point, but like one of the good things about golf and one of the things we always harp on about golf is the the honesty system in it and, and you know, uh, calling yourself on penalties and stuff like that, which is hard for a lot of players. It's hard for a lot of amateurs. And, and we've heard stories about pros that, that struggle to do it or kind of bend those rules. But... I think looking back, you'll always be proud of that moment that you actually, you know, went and told them exactly what had happened and, and you could have very easily not said anything and nobody would have known any different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you see guys, like you said, bend the rules a lot and to the point where they get an advantage over the field and other players. And That's right. In this instance, I've called something on myself where there is no advantage. It's actually a disadvantage to use a club like that because it would the lie angles out and... I, I wouldn't know how much it was out or anything like that. So there's no advantage, but I still get disqualified. And then yeah, you see guys bend the rules all the time and guilt-free, they just walk past you and give you the nod like they don't yeah, just shrug yeah. off from what's even the guys that get suspended or penalised or anything. It doesn't worry them at all. So um, I wouldn't say I'm proud of myself because that's just something I think that should but, be done. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would do that every time. Um, it's more just, you know, lesson learned about, you know, losing my cool and but at the same time it's just unfortunate just freak accident like you know really unlucky timing how it all happened for it if i wasn't in a bunker the next shot I yeah you would have known yeah if the mm. pen was a bit bigger i wouldn't have hit it like there's so many things if i didn't throw the club it wouldn't have been an issue <laughs> in the water i wouldn't have made i wouldn't have been upset so yeah there's a lot of things that could have been different but that's how it is and just got to keep going from there yeah, you you obviously do pretty well at bouncing back from you know those kind of I guess lows and dips in your career because you know you come back home to Oz in 2018 you play out of your skin and you end up runners up to Abe Answer at the Oz Open. Um, tell us about that week for you. That was a pretty awesome week for me because I was a member. I was at the Lakes Golf Club and I yep. was a member there when I was younger from about 15 to. 18 
Um, just loved the course and I had my cousin Tony O'Rourke catting for me that week. So I was, you know, after a long year in Europe, struggling around, um, it was nice to be home and playing at a familiar course with a lot of familiar faces. And, um, yeah, I was just happy to be there and I was really excited to play that week. And obviously getting off to a good start was pretty good as well. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess off off the back of that, Aussie Open, you end up qualifying for the Open Championship. So, you know, Royal Port Rush, Shane Lowry ends up winning um, to secure a spot, you know, in your first ever major. Um, I, I know you end up missing the cut, but that must have been a fantastic experience for you. Yeah, that was a really good experience. And I think those things of just stepping up another level and just seeing what it's like is just priceless. Um playing the biggest European tour events that I played, like the French Open and British Masters and all that, you know, for me was really good and great experience, you know, the year before that. And then going on to play a major is just another level, like way bigger. Um, couldn't even really compare it to a normal European tour event. Just the course set up, the grandstands, just the atmosphere was amazing. You know, the cameras that you didn't even know existed coming out of the ground at you. Um, it was just mm, really yes. cool. and just seeing, you know, you walk past, as I was saying, a European tour event or an Aussie Open, there's always a bunch of good players um, that you walk past and you're like, oh, it's pretty cool. But yeah. everywhere you walk, every, you know, you just... Well, you had, a run in, you had a run-in with Tiger in a practice round, didn't you? Yeah, we played one hole with Tiger um, yeah. in the practice round on the Tuesday at Portrush. So that was pretty cool. He just happened to be on the first tee, cutting over to the back nine. So we played, played the first hole with him and then cut over to Heat. He went through and played played the tenth, and we went on to the second. Um, but yeah, just running into people like that all the time, and Rory sitting next to you at dinner one night and stuff like that's pretty cool. Yeah, and you had a you had a round with Jason Day as well, leading in. Yeah, on the Monday had a practice round with Jason Day, and um, Steve Williams was caddying for him that week, and I had Jason's old caddy, who's back now caddying for him, Luke Reardon. Um, right. Okay. So I'm good mates with him. So, yep. yeah, at the time, Rito stopped caddying for Jason, started caddying for me, not by choice, but, um, <laughs> yeah, he started working for me in Europe. And, um, yeah, we caught up for a practice round. That was that was an unreal day. And just talking to Jason, he's just the greatest bloke and so helpful and gives so much, you know, to guys like myself and even Jason Scrivener last week at Memorial, you know, just doing practice and stuff like that. He's... He's so good to the Aussie guys and the pros out there. He's just yeah, such a down-to-earth bloke and yeah, couldn't speak highly enough. And even Steve Williams, you know, the amount of time he gives to myself and, um, you know, a couple of younger players out on tour as well. So that was a great experience just being out there with them and just talking about, you know, majors and how to approach the course because it's obviously set up so differently and very difficult. So just getting your head around all that's pretty amazing. And did you, I know, like, I know you missed the cut. Um, so obviously not the result you wanted out of that, that weekend, but do you, do you get that bit of taste and just be like, I want more of that? Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, you know, it was just, it was quite a difficult week, you know, for me when I played well at the Aussie Open in 2018, I remember my first Aussie Open would have been, I think it was 2008, nearly 10 years at the lakes. And I was 17 and I remember I missed the cut by a couple of shots and it was such a big event for me and I was so excited and I just really enjoyed it. But when I played it, I, I, Jeff Ogilvy won that year and I just thought, how do people win these things? Like, this is yeah. amazing. And, you know, you just, you real you sort of, because sometimes you can get beaten down and people don't realise the level, the different levels mm. of play. You know, at that point when I played as a 17-year-old, the difference between me and Jeff Ogilvy when he won was day and night. And 10 years later, I would run second at Abraham Answer and I was, you know, had a, had a bit of a sniff there for five or 10 minutes on the back nine, mm, which was yeah. pretty good. So, you know, that's probably the same with majors, you know, a bit of a slow progression at 28, get, playing my first major, but still, you know, amazing experience and, Definitely, I think it's going to help me in the long run. You know, when I play them in years to come, I'll definitely feel more comfortable and be able to focus in a little bit more and see where I need to improve on. 
Yeah, nice. And I suppose a good um, point here, we've got a question from one of our listeners uh, that'll bring up. So James Webster, he said, is, is playing golf as a pro and doing it for a career what you imagined it being like as a junior player? It definitely is, but I think people don't realise um, the lifestyle. I think the lifestyle is a bit of a shock to the system, to a lot of players and a lot of good players that don't really like really good amateurs that don't sort of make it to the next level. There was a lot of guys even in around my age that were probably a lot better players than I was, but they didn't seem to adapt as well to the lifestyle of being a pro. Um, and there's so much more of just, just the golf. There's more than just being able to play golf and play well. Um, you've got to play well in tournament conditions. You've got to be able to travel well for weeks on end, be able to be away from family and friends for months. Um, so, you know, while the cameras are off, there's a lot going on that you've got to deal with where you don't really see that when you're watching it on TV and you really want to be there. You don't realise that as soon as they finish on, you know, they hold out for to come tied 20th, that they jump on a plane to fly to the next, you know, Monday qualifier or practice rounds for the next day or seeing their coach and then, you know, whatever it is, you know, flying across the world. So there's a lot of things that um, I didn't realise and I think a lot of people don't realise unless even when you get told it's sort of hard to get your head around but you, you soon realise pretty quick what it's like. Yeah. No, good yeah. good question. Thanks, James, for um, throwing that in there. Yeah. Um, do you, Dim, do you watch, um, do you follow the PGA? Do you watch the PGA in your spare time and, and follow what's going on over there? Not too much. I watch a little bit of highlights every now and then, but I'm not not super. Um, yeah. You know, You'll watch, the, will you watch the majors? majors? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you, did you see John Rum play the other day and win at, at Muirfield the other day on that course? Yeah, I watched, I watched yeah, I watched it. There's a question here. I'm not sure who it's from because I haven't done it, but just a, just an interesting one. What was your take on Ram's penalty on the chip at the Memorial? Like, in the end of the day, it didn't hurt him. But um, with the, your, you know, your playing mate, in the club uh, behind. And... Dr. Benny Bag- Bagus. Oh, it was Dr. Benny Bagus, was it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Benny Bagus. So, yeah, did, did you have a take on that? I know we've had some mixed uh, arguments about whether it was a penalty or not. What What do you think in that situation? I think definitely not a penalty. Um, it was, you know, it's one of those things where you it's, it's not intentional and the, the ball barely moved. Like it didn't really, it definitely moved. Definitely like shifted. Yeah. Um, and like Baker Finch was saying on the coverage, like you, you could be looking up at the hole while you sort of put the club down. That's right. So that's the first issue. But the, the other thing is he didn't improve his lie. Um, yep. And so, and it, how often that would have happened to, it probably would have happened to five other guys in the field that week that weren't in contention. And just didn't have a camera there. A number of times yeah. because mm. the camera was zoomed in so much because it was such a tricky chip shot. So I think it was pretty unfair. And they did mention that they weren't going to um, penalise him because they weren't going to go to the slow-mo camera rule. Yeah, but... Yeah. Know, they ended up just giving it to him anyway, just probably to save argument and... I, I think that's what it was at the end of the day. I think yeah. he would have seen if he, if he won by a shot. Um, I think it would have been a completely different, and it would have been very contentious and everything else. But I, I think that had a lot to do with. It. I think they could please both sides of the crowd there. Give him his penalty. He still gets to uh, walk home with the trophy. And um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I think if the human eye can't see it, and there's no way uh, anyone's going to see that in that in that thick stuff. Uh, it was an interesting one. So thanks, Benny Bagus, for that question. Good All right, Steve, I'm moving on. Yeah, so moving into current, current status for you now. So uh, you had a miscut at the Vic Open, uh, but then had some decent form with some results at the Queensland PGA, Queensland Open and the NZ Open earlier this year. Um, how was the game pre-COVID and uh, what was the plan for 2020? Uh, yeah, albeit worldwide pandemic. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good, actually. I did a fair bit of work again over Christmas in January. Obviously, the miscut at Vic Open wasn't great, but, you know, it's pretty tricky there because you can get a bad side of the draw and if you don't play great, the scoring is quite low, so it's very easy to miss a cut there every now and then. Um, and then I was happy with my result. Queensland PGA bounced back with a tied third there and a 30th at the Queensland Open, which it wasn't too bad. And 
14th at the New Zealand Open. So I was training in the right direction. I felt like I played really well at New Zealand as well. I just didn't quite get the putts to go in to get me get myself into contention. But I was very happy with my, where my game was at and looking forward to heading over to Europe for the challenge to a season to commence. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, that didn't work out too well. Yeah, so what what is the plan going forward, I suppose, from here? Um, it doesn't look good. So I'm actually on the TPC for the tour with Matt Griffin and Michael Sim, as well as a bunch of other guys from the PGA. And we've been talking a lot the last few weeks and it looks like things are starting to get pretty difficult. Obviously, the Aussie Open got um, postponed today till next okay. year. Mm. And that's obviously going to make the Vic PGA, the Gippsland Super 6, highly unlikely. WA Open, WA PGA, and NT Open, NT. NT PGA, they're all going to be tricky, you'd imagine, because traveling, you know, interstate's already hard enough as it is, let alone all of us flying from everywhere and with the potential to have to quarantine interstate, which is going to make it quite difficult. So I think this year they're hoping for New South Wales Open and Aussie PGA. I think they're our best hope for events at the moment fingers crossed for the other you know wa events and nt but i'm not holding my breath too much at the moment for any tournament it's looking um very slim when and where's the new south wales open planned i'm not sure that of the venue but um yeah. it's going to be in november apparently yeah. it's in Sydney metropolitan this year and it sounds like they've got some good funding for it so hopefully that goes ahead but you know, with things changing so quickly every week, um, it's hard to say. And we've got a few programs popping up next week in Yamber, Grafton, yep. um, Ocean Shores, Mwoolamba. And it's, yeah, even for next week, we're sort of thinking, all right, you know, our first one's next Friday and was, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. Yeah, but at least the uh, at least Sydney's only a, a trip up the F three or the M one as you want to call it now, so it's not not far from home if uh, if that does get underway for you, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Dimmy, you're you're managed by Braith and Asta. Um, what's it like having him in the corner? I know he's only come on board the last couple of years, but um, you guys obviously get along well. You you get to have a have a hit with him every now and then. Yeah, I play a bit of golf with him. Um, he's yep. a great guy. and Can hit know, a ball as well, huh? Yeah, he's quite a good player. He can't chip too well, but he hits it really, <laughs> really good. Um, he actually probably hits it further than me. He gets it out there, and he's yep. a mad golfer. He loves it. I've known him yeah. for you know a few years before I signed up with him, and um, we just got along really well. And when his management company popped up, he you know, we had a bit of a chat about it at the Aussie one day. And, um, yeah, just went from there. And it's been awesome having him on board with Justin Keynes, um, his part, business partner. He's a legend. So, you know, we've got a good team going and they're starting to sign up a lot of good players with series sports on the yeah. golf side of things with, um, you know, Anthony Quayle's a recent one. They've got one of this young gun Japanese guy, Naoki. He's a very good player yep. as well. They've signed up. Um, and yeah, Benny yeah, Campbell as got, well. Benny Campbell, Matty Stoyer. Yeah, 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 doing well. Did, did uh, Braith go over to, to Port Rush with you? No, he didn't. He couldn't make it because obviously it's middle of the footy season. Um, right. He, he would have been there. He was FaceTiming yep. me that much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he, was, um, he, was pretty, he was pretty devastated. He couldn't make it. But, yeah, it was tough, hard timing for him as well with the footy. And he's obviously yep. working pretty busy with Fox Sports as well. So... Yeah, I know he's pretty golf tragic. We we might have to get him on in a in a future episode and have a chat with him. I reckon it'd be a good one. Yeah, to talk get, to. get stuck into him. We'll give you a yeah, ride. Well, on I am a, I'm a Tigers fan, but he cr he crushed me with the Roosters that field goal that year in that final. <laughs> so, anyways, I won't be bringing that up. Um, I've got an anonymous job. question here, Dim Foyer. Um, yeah. it got texted to me. Um, the person wants to know what your secret is with the ladies on tour, and as a follow up. Do you recommend having at least five dating apps or have you upped it to six? <laughs> um, yeah, no, no secrets here. No secrets. Just, uh, I don't believe, in the, don't believe in the dating apps. Just, um, you know, hopefully just looking for... Power in numbers, right? Yeah, yeah power in numbers. One day, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very good. Lock, lock one in soon. 
Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So, so speaking of Lincoln, um, I need to know who hits it further. Yeah, to be honest, it's not even a contest. Lincoln's like thirty in front of anyone on tour. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have you got him on the bench? Yeah, I got him bench press, arm wrestle, probably, you know, <laughs> probably beat him up as well. Um, I don't think that. Yeah, I've got him on. Yeah, got him on looks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, easily. <laughs> so, yeah, lucky he's got his um, hits at 300. So that's about all he's got on me. <laughs> he's got a Does great partner do? in Hannah Green too, I suppose. No, you probably have that one over you. Jared Felton, that's Jared Felton. That's Jared Felton, yeah. No, oh, not Lincoln like Tire. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not my – yeah, that's my bad. Jesus. God, Jared's going to come from punches now at you, so I'm sticking out of that one. <laughs> Maybe maybe Felton versus Lincoln now. Yeah, yeah there we go. Well, <laughs> well Felton's is on the protein shakes. He's going. He's going the Bryson. Uh, the Bryson way. Um, actually, speaking of Bryson, there's a question here. Probably the last one we'll do, and then we'll let you go. What's your thoughts on Bryson and his two recent incidents, cameraman confrontation and out of bounds ball? Well, uh, what is your take on him as a player at the moment, and and the way he's taken on the game? I think it's amazing what he's done. So many yep. guys have tried to hit it further, um, you know, Baker Finch, Immelman, Mateo Manacero, that you see them in, like, the emergency ward, you know, the golfing game, like, they're just gone. Um, and he's just, like, gotten bigger and stronger and hits it further. Not many – I don't know anyone that's done the changes that he's done yeah. um, successfully. So, I, I was – when he first came back, I was very interested to see how he went, and he's done a great job of it. Um, I wouldn't say – you know the way he presents himself. I think I don't think it's great, but yeah. Um, but if you separate that from the golfer, yeah, he's definitely entertaining and um, he brings something different to the game. And you know, even if it's you don't agree with it, it's a, a topic to talk of discussion. And you know, he's he's won a tournament. You know, after making those changes, so I think you know, full credit to him. He's done a great job. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now it's an interesting, interesting one to watch, but um. Look, thank you. Um, thanks so much for, for joining us tonight. We um we, we hope we get some golf back and you're obviously doing great things trying to, you know, get that get that happening back in Australia and, and getting the comps going. So good luck with everything else, good luck with the practice, the the pro am's coming back and and hopefully um we see you at the top of those events in the near future. No worries. Thanks for having me on. No, no dramas, Dim. No, you're welcome, um, mate. We'll just drop you back into that green room and, and we'll uh, we'll get this uh, draw going for Din Putters. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeez. thanks, mate. All right, oh. now another great one. He's a he's an awesome bloke, mate. Yeah, down to the earth. Um, yeah, yeah, great, to, great to chat with. Just just to pick apart some of the the experiences that he's had has been uh, really enjoyable. And I know Josh, he's asked a question or mentioned there. You know, love your work, Dim. Awesome to hear your stories. So yeah. um, I'll echo that, mate. Uh, it was yeah, yeah, just really good to. To, to hear about your experiences. Um, you know, the club toss down the fairway is not the best one, but uh, albeit a bit of, bit of fun nonetheless and a lesson learnt too, I suppose, um, for any uh, other club tosses out there too. <laughs> hey, there's plenty um, There's plenty of us. There's plenty of yeah. uh, club tosses out there. Don't worry. I saw one on the uh, very first hole the other week out here, so and it wasn't mine for once. <laughs> Um, all righty, let's um, let's get into it. So, obviously, massive dint putters. Um, I think somebody asked before, I couldn't see who it was, but they said, how do I win? It's too late to win. Um, we The competition closed yesterday. You had to uh, like the post, the original post. You had to share the original post, and then you had to tag someone. And the more you tag someone, the more entries you got into it. So, handmade, handcrafted, um, you know, worth 350 bucks this this putter, and it's um just one. You know, it's it's a limited edition, and it's um just an awesome piece of piece of work. So yeah, and I can't um, forget to mention here, you you can customize it to a degree as well um, through the process. Whoever wins, so here's here's a copy of the um the, the Phoenix putter as well, um and especially yeah, but to mention, oh where is it? There we go, the heart shape on the on the top. Um, too, there's a bit of story behind that. So go back and have a look at. Uh, at some of our videos gone past, you'll see the um, the inside story between the uh, about the design. But um, yeah, so it's customizable as well. You can customize the the length of the shaft, the color of the head, 
Um, there's two two different colors there and also the the grip as well through the process. So, uh, yeah, you'll be able to go online, have a look at dintputters.com.au and be able to customize it to your specs. Yeah, and, and for those that, uh, I guess, miss out and have missed out, um, I believe we will be running hopefully a, a bit of a, a promo code um, for, for our members. Um, so we'll, we'll get that up uh, hopefully soon and, and give a special discount for, for those guys that are part of Golf Days Australia. So uh, make sure to see that one if you want your very own dint putter. Yeah, no worries. So let me uh, bring up the bring it up. chocolate wheel now and we'll see if we can't pick a winner. So give me a sec. I'll click over to that page. All right, so we had a fair few entries in here. I'll scroll through the screen. Now you'll see some repeated names in there. Um, they obviously tagged a heap of their mates because they've got tons of mates that can't putt. Uh, so the, the rules were like the post, share the post and tag a mate who can't putt. If you don't see your name um, in the what 160 we've got on the chocolate wheel there you didn't do one of those uh one of those three things so let's get into it we'll click and uh see if we can pull out a winner that's it here we go here she's we go up she's spinning oh, up oh, oh. i think that's uh easy to say rob but daniel there we go Who is it we've got a winner oh, there it is Come up well now, Robert Daniel. Daniel. Robert Daniel. Congratulations, mate. Awesome. Oh, it's a bit blurry, is it? Yeah, yeah it's all right. Go. Yeah, Robert Daniel is the uh, is the winner. I'll remove my screen. It's a bit blurry there. But, uh, yeah, Robert Daniel, you're the winner, mate. If you're watching now as well, um, throw yeah, a comment into, uh, into the live chat. You, you've probably got a – yeah, you've probably got not long at all. Throw a comment in there Otherwise. and uh, you'll win a Puma hat to uh, to go with it as well. Awesome, awesome! Congrats, mate. Right. Um, thanks to Dint Putters for that one and and jumping on board. Um, obviously, obviously, great to have them on board as well as Cobra Puma. So, um, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, listening to uh, you know either watching it live here on Facebook or listening on the podcast. Talking about the podcast, uh, we recorded last night um, the episode, which should drop straight after this tonight. We spoke about the 3M Open, um, at the WGC event coming up this weekend in Memphis. We talked about. Uh, huge field there, Tiger and Adam Scott, unfortunately, not playing. But um, double part, another great rant. Um, make sure to keep your, keep your eyes out for that one and, and jump on and, and subscribe. So we'll be launching another competition next week. So stay tuned to that one brought to you by Cobra Puma. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. I hope you've enjoyed as much as we did. Massive shout out again to Dimmy. Uh, great having him on tonight. And um, for now, enjoy the rest of the week and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Adios. See you We're three golf tragics. We're weekend hackers and we love that's to right. go to golf. And I, 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 I showed you guys that on the weekend. Yes, 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 <laughs> you did. We'll, we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> <laughs>